0: This is the BBC.
1: This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. The
2: TMS
0: podcast
2: at the Ashes. Download and subscribe via the BBC Sounds app.
3: Hello to you from the Melbourne Cricket Ground, the place the Australians call the MCG.
2: Harmson from the far end, bowls the first ball of the series, oh my word, it's gone straight to second slip. Gilchrist reaches his 100, the fastest test 100
3: by any Australian batsman. Haunting who's uh, edging, and is he caught? He's out first ball. This could be the ashes for England, he's caught it, they've won.
4: Welcome to the TMS podcast from Headingley. On the first day of the third Ashes Test, I'm Simon Mann. We've had a number of interruptions for rain and bad light, but ultimately England have really seized the initiative. Bowling Australia out for 179 with a flurry of wickets late on. The closer play thoughts of Michael Vaughan and Alistair Cook to come. But first, let's hear from the man of the moment, Jofra Archer, who's taken a six-fer in only his second Test match.
5: Joffre Archer, bowls full to Lyon, he's struck on the pad, he's given out. As Joffre Archer swivels and turns and punches the air. It has been a wonderful bowling performance from Jofra Archer in only his second Test match. England would have turned up today Joe Root won the toss elected to bowl first they picked up those initial two wickets then frustration with the century partnership between Warner and Labashain Archer comes back into the game he's picked up six wickets in total
6: Jofra
4: Archer what does that mean to you?
6: <laughs> well first it means that I get to rest know, i have been in the field all day I'm um, it was a stop-start day as well, and it's really annoying. You know. You start to go up balls, you start to, to, to bowl well, and then the rain takes you off, and then you got to start again. So, uh, for me, I'm over the moon. to, to, to... I've gone six wickets today, but I'm equally happy just to get off now.
4: 136 for two, it looked a completely different
6: game. What what changed things? The ball just started swinging randomly, and... Um... Probably from the Warner wicket, the, the over before the Warner wicket, the ball just started swinging out to nowhere. Um, I guess it probably got a bit dark again, a bit more overcast, so um, from then on the ball was really good.
4: What was the chat in the dressing room when you was on off? Because you obviously wanted to use the conditions today, you wanted to be out there as much as possible, but it, did it feel like they were sort of slipping away from you, the conditions, you know, the prospect of a, a decent day's
6: weather wise tomorrow? Yeah, well, we thought it was going to be a repeat of Lords losing the first day. But um, luckily enough, we we, we got a a large portion of the game, well, of today, out of the way. So um, I think we should be in good stead for the rest of the four days. What about the way you bowled today? Um, Did you do anything different from Lords? No, I think the slope made a lot of balls a lot harder to play, you know. So um, we're here, so it's a bit more level. I think a lot more guys... Would probably get out. Um, yeah, it was probably a li- probably a little bit bowler friendly today. To be honest, um, at times it did go a little bit flat. The ball stopped swinging, but it started again, and it was okay. A good day to bowl.
4: I mean, was that as well as you bowled? I mean, the, the figures would su- suggest it.
6: not the figures really. There were a few skinny edges. There were a few threes. Obviously, there there are no sweepers. So <laughs> yeah, i <would> t- <laughs> um, more than take it. But um, I think it can be a bit more tidy in the future. How much are you enjoying
4: this Test cricket, like you won a World Cup? How much are you enjoying the Test cricket?
6: Yeah, it's been really good so far. Well, as I said, from the moment I put this uh, this badge on, it's been the best, happiest days of cricket so far, and hopefully we have a lot more to, to go.
4: how do you assess the state of the game? 179 all out. It's not a bad way to end the first day of a, any Test match.
6: No, it's not, but. We've seen what we've done today, and they've got some good borders as well. So we have to bat really, really well tomorrow. So it's not a repeat of the first innings. Congratulations, Jofra! Well bowled. Cheers, thank you.
4: There we go, Jofra Archer, uh, and he just walked off the field about three or four minutes ago. His reaction to his sixth wickets today up on the board there: 17.1 overs, three maidens, six for 45. Australia, 179 all out. Remarkable, really, when you consider they were 136 for two. There was that partnership between Warner and Labashane and it looked as though Australia were bounding away. Michael, all alongside me, what a, what a remarkable turnaround.
0: Well, a, a remarkable session and, you know, I, I, I've been a captain in those situations. I tell you what, 136 for two, Joe Root would have had a real panic on because... These bowlers weren't bowling well enough. They weren't getting the ball in the right areas. Warner was playing great. Labuschagne was playing great. The ball was travelling to all parts of the ground. The scorecard was reading too fastly in terms of the rate of the, the scoring. And then all of a sudden, that wicket of David Warner was the real key because you know, all of a sudden, England had an end to bowl out. Labishain was playing nicely. Um, and you just felt, as Joffre said, the ball started to just do a little bit. And the Australians' techniques were just flawed a little bit. There was a couple of good balls. Travis Headball was an absolute beauty. Uh, Matthew Way was a little bit unfortunate. Uh, Tim Payne did not look in any kind of form. You know, you, you're looking at a tail on, on a wicket like that in conditions. Australia batter with the lights on all day. You know, it was perfect day for bowling. But I've been there as a captain when you've won the toss and bowled, and the opposition 136 for two, Joe Root would be in that dressing room now, absolutely relieved with his team having the perfect day. You've bowled a team out. You don't have to go out and bat. You know that you arrive on day two. You hope the sun shines, and if it does, I'm pretty sure England will get a decent first-in-score. If the clouds are around tomorrow, well, the Aussie attack will certainly fancy
4: their chances. Well, David Warner is joining us, and Jeff
7: Lemon is going to speak to him. David, uh, you've had a few people asking about your form coming into this game, but it seemed like a couple of tests was way too early to, to make that sort of call. Were you confident through the, the time that you'd be able to make good?
8: Yeah, I was always confident. Um, you know, good balls getting me out. You, you know, that's what's going to happen in this form of the game. Um, you know, they, they put the balls in the right areas. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you got one on, you got your name on one of those balls. And, you know, it's happened to be I've had three of them. Um, and obviously another one today. So, yeah.
7: Pretty hectic day with the rain coming on and off. It looked like you might not get much play. And then in the end, it all happened in a rush towards the end of the day. The day not exactly as you would have liked.
8: Yeah, look, it's, it's disappointing that it happened like that. But at the end of the day, you know, they won the toss, bowled, had the conditions in their favour. And, you know, you've got to put the ball in the right areas to get the rewards. And that's what they did. They were very patient. Um, you know, I look at the top order, and we actually got good balls to get out. Had two strangles as well. Uh, but that happens in cricket and credit to the way that they bowled.
7: Well, it, it seemed like, you know, there was all this talk about the bouncers and the short stuff and so on. And you don't need to bowl that way, basically, when the conditions are in your favour. They were pitching up, they were moving it around. It must have been pretty horrendous that first half hour or so.
8: Yeah, it was very challenging, as I said before. You know, you, you've always got one with your name on it. But if you can try and negate that good ball, um, you know, I probably played a miss probably 35 times, you know, <laughs> if I could count. Um, but that happens in this game and you've got to, you know, that, that's where a little bit of luck comes into it. Um, if you hold your if you hold your bat, you know in the right areas. You you know if you nick one, you nick one. But you've got to try and work out how to survive. It's a tough game, and especially with these overhead conditions.
7: It looked like you were trying to tuck up and just play really compact and, and just you know not go for anything outside the stumps or in front of your body. Was that a focus for you?
8: Yeah, that was a focus. Yeah, and um, I think when you when you move gully, then you know that you're half a chance. Um, you're half a chance if you squeeze one out there. Um, and and that's the beauty of this, this game. You know you got upstairs uh, conditions. It's going to swing, it's going to seem a little bit and if they get the right length it's going to be challenging but you've got to climb into the ones that are a bit bad.
7: Um, Manus, the way he's come in replacing Steve Smith is pretty much the tallest task in the world and he's just been sensational though, a couple of times in a row.
8: I think we all want about four if you keep getting 70 um, <laughs> but look, you know, he's been exceptional You looked at the way he came in and fought hard the other day I think he's got a great technique. He, he's had a good stint over here in the county and stuff, and uh, he knows his game well. So he left well. He played late, and um, you know I think he's a very good, very good player.
7: Joffrey Archer six for today as well. You know we've we've seen him just suddenly blossom in the last couple of months.
8: Yeah, definitely. You know he's obviously got pace and skill, and uh, there's a lot of talk about him with the red ball. And you know you look at his, his record, it's very, very good. So um, you know he puts the ball in the right areas. So I, I look at him a bit like Dale Stane, you know, with the new ball and the swinging conditions. They, they use use that to their, their favour, and when they need to ramp it up, they do. So and that's, that's, that's world-class bowling. So, um, you know, England have got a great prospect there.
7: 179, the tough first-inning score, but can you find a way to fight back into it from here?
8: Always. It's just about, you know, hitting the right areas and getting the right lengths, and, and obviously we saw out there that outfield's quite quite fast. So uh, it's going to be hot the next couple of days, um, probably dry at the wicket a little bit, so every run's crucial. Um, and obviously, we're, we'd like it under 200 if we can.
7: No like doubt you'll scrap hard. Well batted today.
8: Thanks, mate.
7: There
4: we go. Jeff Lemon speaking to David Warner. Played nicely today in uh, real tough
0: circumstances. It, you know, it's ended up with Joe Root, you'd think, has made a good decision at the top. Let's wait until both teams have batted on, on this surface. Um, when you've got a team with Cummins, Hazelwood and Pattinson uh, in your armoury, you know that if the conditions are like this tomorrow... They'll fancy getting a few wickets also, but I don't think the, the conditions are going to be quite as gloomy. You know, I believe the clouds may be around, but there could be also some sunshine. And you know, as we saw, when you get a partnership, you know, suddenly the ball doesn't do as much, and you can score quickly here. And I just wonder whether it's a day for Jason Roy. You know, I think if Jason Roy had had to go out to bat, and the Australians had got an above par score, say a 300, 325, you know, the pressure would have been on, but. With Australia only getting 179, I just wonder if it'll just free up Jason Roy to realise that if he can just bat for an hour or so, two hours, well, he'll chip away at that 179 very quickly. England have just got to take away that score now and think, right, just bat the whole day tomorrow. It looks like we're going to get a full day's play, bat the whole day and just see where it takes. And they should manage to get 300. If they do so, they should win the game. But don't come and think that it's all done. Going to have to play sensibly. There will be movement around. There'll be a little bit of seam, a bit of swing. And someone has to get in. Someone has to go on and get a big score. If someone does, well, I'm pretty sure they're
4: going to get a big, big lead in the first innings. You've been in Joe Root's shoes. You know, Go out to the middle, you toss the coin, what, what should we do? You look down, you think it's a bat first pitch. You look up, it's a a bowling day. And then they had that situation where they, they you know, they, we won the toss, we're going to bowl, but they had to keep coming off the field. It's sort of gnawing away at you. There was one wicket that went down, I think it was... Might have been Warner's wicket where you just, the camera was en route and there was just, it wasn't so much celebration, it was just sort of frustration. But at least we've got one. Um, what sort of day? Talk us through his emotions today, oh, do you the, think?
0: The relief that he'll have in the dressing room will be, um, will be huge because he'll know as an England captain that, you know, when you're 1 nil down in an Ashes series and you're playing against an Australian side with no Steve Smith on this kind of venue, England have to win this week. It's as simple as that. And when they're, 136 for two and the ball's travelling to all parts and every time he looks up at the scoreboard you know Australia have got five or ten more runs quickly and his bowlers weren't delivering those first spells of Ben Stokes and Chris Wokes in particular were poor, they just couldn't get it in the right area and they took Joffre Archer a guy in his second test match to grab the uh, the series back last week with that spell at Lords on Saturday and he's grabbed the, the, the game here at Headingley on his own with that spell in the last session for Australia to have lost eight wickets in a session You know, Andrew Sampson will tell us the stats, but there's not many teams win test matches, losing eight wickets in a session. Uh, But England have to come and bat well. I mean, you know they will have to bat with control they'll have to try and capitalise when the ball's not swinging and I think Henley is that kind of ground where as a batting unit you do have to go through little troughs, you have to go with troughs and realise when it's swinging around you have to fight and you have to hold your end and you have to survive and then there gets to a stage where the ball's not swinging, you feel you can score and you might have to take a few more risks when the ball's not swinging um, fascinating test and you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure now with the, the relief that the team will find themselves in the dressing room, if Australia had been five wickets down tonight, which at one stage it looked like it was going to be the case, you know, I'd have, I'd have said that Australia would comfortably have won the game, uh, won the, well, potentially won the game, but certainly won the day. You know, when you bowl a team out on day one, having won the toss and bowled, you know, whatever goes from here on in, Joe Root made the right call this morning. Yeah, I did it for, I mean... Did it feel like he sort of bet the house really on? on no, not this one. I mean, with the, the lights. No, I mean the lights were on. It was gloomy, um, but no. it sort of had to work today, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it did have to work. And at one thirty-six for two, it wasn't yeah. working, and that's why, you know, I, I can I can feel his emotions because, you know, you saw him take that catch off James Patterson, off Joffre Archer, and it was almost it wasn't a celebration. Mm. I, there's so much that goes inside a, a, a captain that, you know, it generally doesn't come out. That came out for me, even though he didn't celebrate it, and yeah. he's. it was almost like he'll be in his room tonight almost like looking in there and going oh thankfully Joffrey Archer produced a bit of magic (laughs) what does an England captain do on an evening like this one well well, he's going to be late back to his room Um, you know I think now he's got to focus on batting you know his bowlers did the bowl as well as they could today I don't think so if they're honest, I think they could have... What, went,
4: a... what went wrong there? What uh, I think was something... The wokes and stakes, what went wrong?
0: Well, I just think here at Headingley, sometimes when this ball swings and seams around, it is hard to get the ball straight. I mean, there was a, a, a period, I think, after 25 O's, we looked at how many balls would have hit the stumps, it was 8% of the balls. And, you know, maybe that's because of the swing and the seam, it was difficult to get the ball straight. Um, maybe bowled bought a bit of wide at times as well, but... You know, it's not always easy. It's been quite a cold day, quite breezy. Um, you know, the, the relief for England is that they bought Australia out. Could they have a bit better? If you're being picky, yes. Uh, but could they have been in a lot worse position than this? Absolutely. Australia could easily have been 210 for four, with the way that Warner was playing, and that was the key wicket. David Warner to, you know, Jofra Archer he's in his second game and already he's creating impact on the best players in the opposing team what he did to Steve Smith at Lord's and now when David Warner was set David Warner's set in Australia or against an England side with 80 odd mile an hour bowling uh, he gets 150 and wins them a game because of Joffre Archer and that difference he's brought that difference to the England team and now the the batsmen have to they have to give the bowlers when you think we're only a few days after that Lord's test match it's now down to the batsmen to give the bowlers a day off there's no way that the bowlers can come back and bowl tomorrow come late afternoon because the batsmen haven't showed up and played with sensibility and played with discipline uh, England have to bat the day if England are bowling again tomorrow game on if
4: they bat the full day I'm pretty sure they'll win the game What about this pitch here at at Headingley Um, is it one of those services do you think that there will always be something in it for the bowlers or do you think it could well flatten out and actually be quite nice to bat second third day and then perhaps later on in the game it might be a bit trickier
0: I think it's always got something here you know very rarely do you, you bat it headley and not think there's a ball out there if a bowl ball, of balls consistently well enough um, you know a lot of de- depend on overhead conditions is always the case here in Leeds but you know there'll be movement there for Australia you know there'll certainly be a bit of swing there'll be a bit of seam movement they'll hope for conditions like this if the sun shines well you know you know as a batsman it's, it's an easier place to bat. Uh, it's just a discipline element that in the first innings, you know, now you're looking at 179 as a first innings for Australia. Forget that. You've got to just break the game down into basics. There's 98 overs tomorrow. You know, bat the full amount of overs and see where that takes you. If it takes you to 260, if it takes you to 280. If it takes you to 330, but individuals stick your hand up and say, right, it's my job. My job to go out there and get myself a big hundred. If I do so, it'll put the team in a magnificent position. And, you know, you'd expect an England side that's one down with the desperation of knowing that if they lose here, Australia retain the Ashes. And I tweeted some at mid-afternoon, I thought, you know what, if England don't win this session now with the ball, you might as well just give Australia a little earn because I can't see how they'll win the Test match if Australia 210 for 3 or 4 at the close of play in these conditions. So England have grabbed that last session. Um, you know, it's now down to the team to realise that when you have a session like that, don't throw it away tomorrow don't give it back to Australia by batting poorly in the first session, driving at balls that you shouldn't. It's not a ground where you want to go chasing the drive early, it's a ground where you just let the ball come, wait for that one off the pads and if you're still there in the afternoon when the ball's a bit older then the drive comes available. All's well that ends well really today for England? Well a a day that could have been awfully bad (laughs) has ended up being the perfect day England in the dressing room, 179 all out Australia, just bat well tomorrow. OK, Michael,
4: Alistair Cook and Jim Maxwell are with me as well. Well, what about that, Alistair? I mentioned Michael's been in Joe Root's shoes before, and, and, and so have you as an England captain. Would you, what do you think Joe Root's emotions will be in that dressing room? Will it be
3: relief as much as elation? Yeah, probably. I think you actually summed it up well at the beginning of the day of, with the fact that the pressure of what happened of winning the toss and bowling in these conditions people expect... England to bowl Australia out and at one stage I think it was at 5.37 when David Warner got out when Jofra got David Warner out up until that point it was looking like not the game was slipping away but the opportunity England had with the, the way the conditions have presented them to them today of, of letting a, a massive opportunity go and then Jofra got David Warner with an absolute cracker um, and then England piled in. They bowled really well after that. They didn't quite get it right for for 15 overs, and the partnership between Warner and Lavisham was a, was a brilliant partnership. Their running between the wickets was outstanding. They put pressure back on the England bowlers of, of Chris Wokes and Ben Stokes, and they 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 took an opportunity where England didn't quite get it right, and they played really well. But then when Jofra and Stuart Broad, you know. Jofra got has got for, but when Broadie um, came back as well, he got ja- Travis Head with an absolute cracker. No one's playing that, and they built a bit of a partnership, a bowling partnership. Broad wasn't going anywhere, and Jofra and will get the headlines uh, with a brilliant sixer. But England have dragged themselves back into, it's obviously a, a more a more dominant position. Where at some stage, uh, some stage, probably at 5:30, it wasn't looking great. How well did Jofra Archer bowl today? Well, what impressed me with with Joffre, he. You know, he didn't go for all-out pace today. It wasn't an all-out pace, but he didn't need to, to put all the effort in, though that doesn't actually look like it takes much effort for him to bowl at high 80s, but he bowled probably 80, 85% and concentrated on bashing out an area, trying to put the pressure on the Australians, trying to make him play on the front foot, trying to create the nick. He didn't need to go to his bounce of warfare. He didn't need to bowl 96 miles an hour like he did at Laws on a different wicket, so I think we should he showed an adaptability to, to test cricket, where it's not all about bowling cricket at all times. It's about bowling uh, clever and good areas, and he, he bowled very well. And you know, he, He's been hard on himself when he said he didn't bowl well, because six for 40-odd, whatever he went for, it was an outstanding, outstanding effort, especially when the pressure's on, when you win the toss and bowl.
4: Try to put yourself in that Australian dressing room. What do you think they'll be feeling this evening?
3: probably a little bit hard done by in one sense with the conditions didn't didn't change they knew it was going to be tough early I think the, every forecast we'd had coming into that, there was going to be you know even at the toss it was going to it was going to at some stage be a sunny day and that never that never arrived. So I think they feel a little bit hard done by um, but probably they'll always think if only this could be now at the end of the game if only we got 230 in the first innings but you know, not as I think David Warner summed up pretty well, not many of them were played bad shots, actually. They were got out today by good bowling, and it probably could have been a lot worse. It, Australia could have very easily today been 60 for six, I mean, yeah, uh, and they weren't. So they got themselves an opportunity, 130 off for two, to, to really seize the initiative away from, from England, but actually England were, were, be, were good enough to fight back.
4: Jim, Australia's worst
2: fears realised, not necessarily the team, but Australia's supporters, do you think? Well, as Alistair said, that could have been bowled out for under 100. So I I wouldn't want to be making any judgment on where this game sits until I've seen England bat. Because if it's overcast, uh, as it was today, tomorrow, and Australia bowls straight with that attack, they, they could bowl England out for similarly less. I'm, I'm just not too sure. Um, we saw a few occasions today where the momentum moved. I mean, that was the most thrilling batting partnership, the more it went, when Australia went from two for 25 to two for 136. And at that point, you would have thought, oh, well, they will make 250, won't they? And then they lost eight. You think about this, eight for 43 from the moment that Warner was dismissed by an excellent delivery from Joffre Archer. What I liked about Archer today, whereas he was hostile and you're hitting batsmen occasionally at Lord's, but not getting wickets with the skill of a bowler that we saw today. And This was a very skillful display of bowling. Uh, he was always threatening the batsman from the time he got Harris out early on in the day. And uh, if he continues to bowl like that in conditions that assist, he's certainly going to be a handful. And and the other two, uh, Broad and Wokes, with perhaps Jimmy Anderson coming back, I mean, this is a formidable attack in the, the right conditions. So... Australia actually did pretty well to get where they got, because uh, uh, Manus Lavishhan has no real reputation as a test match batsman. He's been working at it, and clearly today he showed that he's up for it, and he's going to put pressure on a few other fellows in the lineup to keep their spots if uh, he continues to play like this. So it was an extraordinary day of Test cricket. We saw the best uh, bowling. We could see at times we saw the pressure put on the bowlers and they didn't cope with it all that well for a while when Australia was scoring at six or seven and over. And then, as ever, a break and things all go awry for Australia. So I think given that we've lost about 35 overs today, we've still had a full day's cricket. <laughs>
4: Yeah, 179, all that just before half past seven. Jimmy Anderson is uh, on the outfield bowling on the far side. He just uh, broke through the gloves of uh, Paul Collingwood, who's out there as a dummy wicketkeeper, and uh, Collingwood had to chase it to the boundary. They switched the lights off, and we're just contemplating what was ultimately a dramatic opening day. It was a frustrating day for a while with the players coming on and off the field. Then we had a sustained play, and England able to work their way through this Australian batting lineup. Uh, Alistair, you, you played on this ground uh, before uh, quite a few times. What, 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 does it does it suddenly change if the sun comes out? Are you conscious of that as a batsman? I think
3: um, if you talk to the Yorkshire people here about batting, you score a lot of runs in the last session. It's a it's a it's a game. It's a it's a a wicket and a ground where you've got to do the donkey work up front. You've got to put the bowlers into their third or fourth spell. Then, if the sun is out in that last session, you can score very quickly. We saw a lot of runs um, scored in that partnership quickly. You know, that it's a quick outfield down the hill. Third man, you beat point by you know by a yard or so. It's four. So you know, Australia. I don't think it's going to be quite. Um, I don't think it's going to be like the conditions we saw today but there could be spells where England are going to have to dig in, when the cloud is going to come over um, and it's going to swing and nip a little bit, I don't think it's going to do as much as it did today over the next couple of days um, and then it's going to get hot, it might it might spin on days four and five, so England tomorrow is that, you know, as we always say, that first, you've got to set the game up, the top three have got to do some real donkey work here against this Australian attack and put their three seamers into their third and fourth spells, and then you can cash in and score very quickly later on. You know, I thought Australia, in one sense, they, not many times they got out to the big drive. You can nick off here with a big drive here at Headingley but you know, under 20, uh, when you know when you're in driving, on, when you're in driving, you get rewarded on this on. At Headingly, if you're not in in that first little bit when he's moving around, you, you feel it's there to drive, and it's not there to drive. So that England have to be aware of that. Be aware of that in the morning. You know, with Hazelwood and Pattleson both away swing or shape bowlers in particular, they will be hunting that outside edge of of trying to make England drive. Can they leave well that first two two hours and and put and put Australia those three bowlers into there? Into their third and fourth spells, and then put pressure on line. I think England, their right-handers are going to have to attack line today, tomorrow. I think you know, in a in a cool and calculated manner, because it's not going to spin massive. I don't think um, early on. It might spin on day four and five, so there's an opportunity for those right-handers to attack line, almost not hit him out of the attack, but make the as bowl. And what did Labuschagne do well technically? Well, he 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 left the ball really well. He looked compact. He didn't follow the ball, when it. Uh, when it swung, um, you know, in that fourth, fifth stump channel, he left the ball. He didn't curtain rail it as, as Graham Gooch called it. So he, um, yeah, it's the first time I've seen him actually, um, you know, out of ground play. He looked really organised, up for the fight. That's one thing he is definitely up for the fight. And Jim Maxwell saying putting pressure in on other players in in that side. He, when Steve Smith's back, he's in. There's absolutely no doubt about it. He's playing. He played brilliantly. He left the ball. He looked to score. Good running between the wickets. So. You know, it's an unfortunate way to get out in terms of you know, missing that full toss right at the end where he obviously just lost it, um, but he, apart from that, for 130 balls, he played beautifully. Jim, plenty of
4: Australians in our hotel. What would we be telling those Australian supporters this evening? Oh, it's, it's a bit of
2: a cliché, you know, the one I'm going to come on with. Wait until Australia's had a ball. You can't judge a yeah. game of cricket until both teams have had a bat. Never go too early. Michael Vaughan went a bit early today. I couldn't believe his pessimism about England's situation because things can change so quickly as we saw today. I think Australia's got the ammunition there to make that occur tomorrow. But conditions, you play on the same pitch here in England and if it's a blue blue sky, sunny day, lovely to bat. Cloud overhead, dark weather, bad light. It's another game. So I'll wait till tomorrow's day day of play before I'm thinking to the Australian supporters, mm, it might be tough to win this one. At the moment, I feel, still think it's wide open. Yeah, James Patterson back in the side in, in place of Peter Siddle. Siddle yeah. might have bowled quite well here. Well, he's played two tests in a row. Um, maybe old bones creaking or whatever. Justin Lang had to give him the, the bad news. He, he wasn't playing and they feel that... Pattinson's fresh and perhaps Hazelwood can do the kind of donkey work that uh, Siddle does in gluing up an end. And uh, so uh, it was always going to be the policy on this tour. The extraordinary thing is that uh, we could well go through five test matches and Mitchell Stark will not play a game. And that would be amazing. But this is the uh, plan that they have brought to the way they want to try and control and win this series and not bleed too many runs and have their best attacking options. Whether that's the right one, not too sure. You can only tell by the results, I suppose. And uh, Pattinson showed enough, I think, in the first test match uh, to give us a feeling that he's a good strike bowler. very close to his best. So um, we'll be watching him with interest tomorrow. The TMS podcast at Headingley for the third test of the Ashes. Now the coaches for the Leeds-based 100
4: franchises have been announced this week. Recently retired England international Danny Hazel will lead the women's team with former Australia coach Darren Lehman in charge of the men. Five of the eight men's franchises have now named their head coaches. Four are Australian, none are English. Ishigua and Ebony Rainford-Brent were joined by Michael Vaughan to discuss the fact.
0: I honestly have no idea. I have to say when I start hearing all the coaches, if it's about profile, if the tournament is about raising the profile in this country of the game of cricket, you know, it's going to be on the BBC, great. Loads of people are going to watch it. Now, Shane Warne, I get. Absolutely massive profile. Darren Lehman, I get. You know, Gary Kirsten, I get. I get that. You know, Tom Moody at maybe the Oval, I get. Mahalajar at, at potentially the, the Hampshire one I get but you know f- for England not to have one representation in the men's tournament as a head coach I think it's disgraceful and I think it's a complete lack of disrespect for English coaches that are doing so much with game. we've won five of the last seven Ashes series so something's right in this country we're World cup winners so something's right in this country yet there's not going to be one men's coach from what I hear that have come, that's come from our system Jonathan Trotts in coaching Paul Collingwood is a coach, Chris Silverwood, Graham Thorpe. uh, Paul Collingwood mentioned you you can go through the list of coaches that have kind of finished the playing days. Paul Nixon at Leicester, you know, doing a good job with not a great budget at Leicester. There's so many coaches that are out there that you think, come on, give them an opportunity. How are they going to get the experience to potentially be the next England coaches if they've not had the chance to go and manage a team over the course of six weeks and how are we going to get our coaches to potentially the IPL or the Pakistan Super League uh, the big bash in Australia if they're not given the opportunity. This was the fir- first time really that the ECB had a chance to go, okay, profile profile, profile, with the overseas get, but you know we're going to have three or four of our own coaches that we hope will develop into potentially the next England coaches in five or six years' time. I, I-, I honestly think it's disgraceful that we're not going to have one men's coach in the the 100 tournament?
1: I think there's a few things going on. First of all, the the negative is this, the the original narrative is this was all about marketing and and driven by that rather than an agenda of improving cricket in England. Um, And and it does feed into that. The the other issue we have actually got is you start to look at a potential match playlist next year of um, English cricket. And I can imagine there'll be a lot of counties who might not necessarily want any of their coaches to be confused when they've got county cricket going on so I do think there's a lot going on actually to try and uh, well, well, one, pro-
0: it's, it's about profile. No, so that's the, what I was going to say. Yeah. So
1: one, they've gone for profile. Yeah, that's But fine. two, also, I think there might be a challenge of it actually gets complicated starting to take some of those coaches out when you actually need them to perform and make sure your county team mm. wins. Yeah.
0: Uh, okay, so, so so
1: do you understand what I'm saying? As in, I'm just, am just saying there's enough English coaches out there. There's enough English coaches. That's that's the that's the, the the major issue. But I'm saying that that has to be taken into play, and that's when you start to look at chucking another tournament on another one starts to cause more issues underneath um, because it should have English co- for the male um, setup. it should have male coaches, yeah. uh, English coaches and I think we have missed a trick well, I would like to see this competition used as a way to propel English cricket to another level and the only way that's going to happen is with English coaches but I think the way in which it's done and at times it's mostly been forced through, controversial um, I think it makes it difficult sometimes to take some of those coaches out of yeah, but the Man- the other, so the other Man- parts of so the, the
0: Manchester team has appointed Simon Cattage yeah Chapel and Mark Chilton will be a part of the backroom team
1: yeah
0: they're Lancashire's head coach and assistant coach now yeah so they're not going to be with Lancashire for that period yeah from what I hear yeah now all the big big names I completely get because it is about raising the profile of cricket in this country now has any ex-England player that's potentially not in coaching had the phone call to say, "Would you be interested"? Who's got big profile? Has Freddie Flintoff had the call I so don't you? You would know that more than no, the rest. But of I'd it. like to know because if it's happened, did and those kind of person like Darren Goff, is,
1: is there you anyone? Know, that, not, and you don't have to expose names. But is there anyone you know, an English coach, a high-profile that did get the call?
0: No. Well,
1: no. that's what, what, that's what sad. level are you, Michael. What level? Coach but are
0: you? What, what level is Shane Warne? No, what level is it? it's about profile no, 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 no,
5: the question is w- would you have been interested
0: I, I, I wouldn't say that no because I enjoy my job now being, being a broadcaster but I'd, I'd like to know if Darren Goff mm. who's got a big profile in the UK and is he, showing a little bit of interest in potentially going into coaches mm. has he been given the phone call you know you can't tell me that say Australia produced a new tournament 19 tournament can you imagine the outcry mm. if there was not one Australian coach in their own domestic tournament. It's shambolic.
1: But then this drives towards a narrative that it, it is more about the profile, the marketing and that side of it than actually improving the overall English game because if you were taking those values right, it's about playing as many English players as possible, getting as many English coaches as possible. You'd be thinking from that perspective.
5: When well, you look at the IPL, pretty much all, all of the coaches there are from an Australian background or you've got like Paddy Upton and Gary Kirsten from South Africa. But... There are no Indian coaches at the IPL, and it's almost as if they are trying what to follow What is it with Australian follow, coaches? Follow, follow
0: what, the Why is it? Well, that is what, that is a question. Is the what, in the why? Why, is, game why as we well? got this? Yeah. Why have we got this? You know, the, these Aussies are like gurus.
1: Well, it's the same in the women's game. We tried to list the other day how many high-profile England women coaches there are. Danny Hazel just retired, but she hasn't been dominant. You start to go through Australia, Lisa Kitely, Julia Price, you could name possibly ten high-quality who have coached in men and women's cricket. But in our country, we're miles behind. And this is why it's great to see Danny Hazel named, and I hope there'll be one or two more. Um, but, but that, there is an issue we have got an issue and this is our one chance to change it and, but and also it abs, been right? you mentioned
0: India India don't have the levels and the system that we've created in this country for many many years levels one, two, three, and 4 the system in place is cost a fortune mm-hmm. it costs a lot of money to send your coach I think you only have one per county to go on to level 4 per annum and it costs a lot of money now we're spending all this money in developing our own coaches in this, in, in this country mm. and then we get the perfect platform to go and give three or four the opportunity and we don't use it. I mean, it's just it's madness. Mm. To not give three or four younger coaches or aspiring coaches who have got their eye on potentially being an England coach in five to ten years' time, that opportunity, well, for one, I think it's a wasted opportunity. And for two, I, I'd love to know who's making the decision to say that we're not having one.
2: The TMS Podcast at Headingley for the third test of the Ashes.
4: Test match special. We'll be back on air on 5 Live Sports Extra from 10am tomorrow morning before the second day. In the meantime, catch the opening day highlights via the BBC Sport website and app. Available every day during every test.
0: This is the TMS Podcast at the Ashes from BBC Radio 5
1: Live.